arrangement is implausible. You're gonna have to move, I'm sorry. It's just the way of the world. Ah, well there it is. Welcome back to the Toon Junkies Podcast. My name, as always, is Chris Widener. Um, I don't know why I threw my last name in there. Honestly, I think it's because I'm... Even though it's been a thing for 30 years, it... It does still... I don't think there's any way that I can deliver the correction of my last name in a way that doesn't seem or sound like I am, um, you know, not annoyed in a sense, I guess. Um, And it's not that I am annoyed. It's just that I'm so... (laughs) I'm so over people repeating, Wagner? No. Nowhere in my name... Not only did I not say or pronounce an A or a G, but you're looking at my name and there's not an A or a G in there. Why are you saying Wagner? Uh, And it's weird because I don't really know how to enunciate. Right now, it's going to sound weird because I don't know if it's the rain, but like I have just been sneezing up a storm. I've had one nostril that's just been like closing up every, I don't know. When my heart rate's up at a certain level, it, it, opens up but as soon as I start to relax only one of them closes see it's only one nostril you just heard isn't that stupid but anyways to enunciate the word widener like there's no way to do it that doesn't look and sound ridiculous so I just say widener right I don't I don't know what you're hearing but to me I hear w-i-d-n-e-r right I don't know it's whatever but Welcome back. Uh, isn't it weird to hear that the new intro? I mean, it's not weird. It sounds great, right? I think it, I fucking love it. Uh, there's still sound bits that I want to I want to add in. I've got I've I found a few of my own just that I had saved and then I originally wanted <laughs> I wanted in the thing, but I just forgot about them. Like I found this old video of <laughs> Kim and Kanye, like uh I don't know, some kind of interview and Kim said something about, can you believe I've never even used our pool? And Kanye looks over and he goes, what? And I, that's, I want that what that he says, because he's, he's, it's a, it's a genuine uh, befuddlement. He is, are you serious? What? (laughs) Right. I, so I love that, but yeah, there's still, it's, it's, I think it's cool. I think it's great. Um, I think, uh, first and foremost, one of the things I have to announce is that I hear you. I, I, I got the messages. I got the, the emails, the comments I need. I get it. Okay. We mispronounced (laughs) Sade's name wrong. And I know I just mispronounced it there, but I had to let you know what I was referring to. Um, apparently it's, uh, Sade, I guess. Um, I didn't know that. I would just like to uh, clear up, as I told all everybody who contacted me, I did not pick Sade, okay? I also, I didn't really know her. I remember that one song from 1995, and then I remember hearing Smooth Operator, but I didn't know who it was. So forgive me, and us, I should say, for butchering her name. I mean, I... I apologize, you know, it is what it is. I didn't do a whole lot of research on how to pronounce her name. I just figured S-A-D was pronounced the same way J-A-D. Oh, did I say (laughs) S-A-D? Maybe I said E. But S-A-D-E is pronounced the same way that J-A-D-E is, except with an S at the front. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, 
Oh, looky there. If I were to, oh, you know what? I would like to commend myself on not using Wikipedia as a source, even though it is a valid source, but it says right there, uh, uh, I'm just going to say it how I said it, Said Adu, right? Or simply Said, and then it says right next to it, spelled out phonetically, Sade. So I apologize. Sade, if you by chance heard the Toon Junkies podcast and wear four idiot men mispronounce your name. I would like to apologize, but now we know, okay? It was a learning experience. I didn't know. Now we do. So there. Are you happy? I've addressed, I addressed the problem, okay? Jesus. Make one mistake. No, it's not really. It's not that. I would have done the same thing and be like, um, especially if it was somebody that I was very passionate about. Like if somebody were to, oh yeah, I listened to this new uh, album called Sob Rock by a John Mayer. Like, ooh, no boy. Say it right. Mayer. Mayer. That's not a way that somebody's pronounced it. I was just, you know, improving for the, uh, the example, right? But, listener, I know last week um, I said that this week <laughs> there would be an all-ladies panel, but as is life um things things just don't happen the way we expect them to right um the panelists that i had lined up two of them uh got sick um and then when we went to reschedule uh they had two days before they went on tour um and the other uh panel guest that i had on she was like yeah i'm good for the original day and then we had to move it and she was like well i can make it work and i was like well what do you mean make it work she's like i'm gonna be driving and i was like you're gonna be driving to insert place while i try and talk to you and i was like i don't know if i like that i feel like i'd be distracting it just i know people talk and drive at the same time but i don't know it just felt a little dangerous but also i was worried about the quality of the recording so we just going to have to reschedule listener and i apologize i really i feel bad for not getting like a panel of women together for women's history month to talk about women of the 90s i tried man i tried okay it was all set up and then just <sighs> things fall apart and it's okay you know it's whatever am i bummed because there's recording of me saying that something else is going to happen of course i am that bothers me to no end, but there's nothing I can do about it, okay? I can't unsick, pe- uh, unsicken, unsick, I can't undown someone with the sickness. <laughs> uh, uh, that's the last joke I'm going to make on that because I don't think it's going to get any better. But yeah, so it is what it is. So instead... um it's just me. You're just going to have to deal with me. I just want to hear, <laughs> do you guys want to hear a joke that, um, so I, where I work, there's a, there's an old man I work with. And I don't know about you, if you've ever worked with an old man, old men have the craziest fucking jokes. <laughs> um, this one was told to me just the other day. And if you want told to me, I'd like you to hear it because it made me laugh really hard. So there's three guys at a bar at the bar, right? The bartender comes up to him and, they, and he asks them, what is the fastest thing in the world? And the first guy says, well, it's, that's easy. It's a thought. You know, once you think it, it's there. And the second guy goes, 
Nah, I don't think so. Uh, I think it's electricity, you know, because when you go and you flip on the light switch, you flip the switch and the light's there. It's right. It's instantaneous. And the third guy goes, I think you're both wrong. And they go, what is faster than a thought or electricity? And the third guy says, diarrhea. <laughs> and they said, okay, well, what? where did you come up with that conclusion? And he said, the third guy said, I think it's diarrhea because the other morning, before I could wake up and turn on the light, it was already too late. <laughs> uh, I hope that was funny. I hope you laughed at that. I didn't laugh as hard because <laughs> I followed that old man around at work like half the day bringing that up because I wanted to hear it again. Uh, I think he told, I made him tell that joke to like four different people. Uh, but yeah, um, get you an old crotchy man to work next to, around, or directly with because, man, they're funny. They are absolutely hilarious. Um, but yeah, so for, did you guys see, um, I think it was Billboard, um, gave old Machine Gun Kelly, I almost said Kellerson, um, but yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, uh, what do they call that? Front page? Is it front page? Cover. Cover. That's the word I want. Cover of, uh, Billboard magazine and the, uh, headline was, <clears throat> Pop Punk's Crown Prince or New Prince or something like that. And has the internet been upset about it? But it not like upset, but like split, right? Because I mean, there's plenty of Machine Gun Kelly fans. He's, you know, popular. He was popular before he was in doing his pop punk thing. But like now all the like pop punk kids are like, uh-uh, no, 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 we don't, we don't claim this bad energy, whatever it is the kids are saying, but like, so I am also on the fence of, I don't know if, uh, Prince is the appropriate term, I think there are definitely, um, more true to genre bands that are doing the pop punk thing than MGK is, sure, MGK is probably the most pop, the most famous right now, because, you know, he's, famous <laughs> you know he was he was big before he was even doing the pop punk thing but like I don't know why they wouldn't give that well I know why they wouldn't give it to somebody else because MG that's gonna pull it's gonna pull attention you know and there's no such thing as bad publicity we all know this but but like really you're gonna put MGK not like fucking neck deep or somebody else that I can't think of at the moment another pop punk band a super for some reason, Neck Deep is like the only super popular pop punk band. Ooh, there's a lot of P words. Super popular pop punk bands. Um, that's coming to my head right now. But, I mean, I guess I understand the Machine Gun Kelly thing just because, like I said, uh, it's going to it's gonna draw eyes. It's going to create buzz. It got me to share the photo, which is an, in, in of itself free advertisement. So, like, I get it, but... I don't know. A lot of people are, <laughs> I saw plenty, plenty of people made this joke, but, uh, s specifically, uh, a friend, Dwayne, um, he said, um, this dude is definitely, this dude likes underage girls, so we definitely know he's pop punk, which <laughs> is a funny joke, okay, but it's also kind of 
admonishing the genre as a whole, which, you know, is a great genre, but we need to, you know, ease up on the, <laughs> ease up on throwing the whole genre under the bus. Yeah, there are some bad eggs in it. There's quite a few bad eggs, I'll put it that way, but, you know, pop punk as a whole, the general, the, the, the musicality of pop punk is fine. Um, but yeah, um, I, what, what do you think about, about, um, why can't I fucking talk? You know why I can't talk? Cause my one fucking nostril is closed and I can't stop thinking about it. Um, Machine Gun Kelly, pop punk. Are you a fan of his pop punk, uh, move? I listened to tickets to my downfall and even though I, I didn't hate it, it was not amazing. It wasn't like you know, a game changer at all. Like it was, excuse me, getting bored just talking about it. (laughs) Sorry, Machine Gun Kelly. Um, it was a good attempt for, it was not a good attempt. That makes it sound bad. It was decent for him having never done anything like this before. Right. But for it to, you know, like, oh, he's the pop punk guy. Just, I don't, I don't, I, he doesn't deserve the title of the pop punk. There are other bands that are more successful and have done more than put out one album. It is one album, isn't it? It's just that one, Tickets to My Downfall. He hasn't done another one yet. Oh, he's got another one coming out. That's right. So that might be why. I mean, there's another, if you want to start, if you want to get out the red yarn and start piecing a conspiracy together, then there it is. Possibly they're in cahoots saying like, <laughs> oh, he's got a new album. Let's, let's promote it. I mean, that's, that could be a thing, but I doubt it. Um, but yeah, the tickets to my downfall wasn't awful. I mean, I personally really liked, uh, oh man, I can't even think of the song. The one that he did with Halsey. Um, hold on. Let me fucking look this up. Forget me too. That's the fucking song. But yeah, uh, in I really enjoyed that song mainly because I I just love Halsey and I would after hearing her vocals on that it makes me like want her to do a fucking pop punk album bro that's what I want and see that's another reason why I'm not entirely against the whole like changing genre things because how many bands have you been listening to for 20 years that have been making the same kind of music don't you aren't you ever curious as like oh well what if they made another kind of music i mean are you a fan of a day to remember then you know exactly what i'm talking about because they no longer make the same music that they did when they started which is fine because who wants to do the same thing for 20 years you know metallica does but that's i mean they're making plenty of money doing what they do so that's fine but like i mean i was just looking through machine gun kelly's like discography and from what it looks like he's only been putting out albums for 2012 right so from 2012 all the way to 2019 was that seven years do seven years of one genre you know he put out what is it one two three four five six seven eight eight albums right i feel like that's a pretty good like amount to be like yo I can do this, or I at least tried this and did whatever the case may be. But like, that's a healthy amount of time to put into something to be like, I want to do something else now. And that's totally fine, right? Like, I'm sure there's, I'm sure you like to do more than one thing, right? Imagine if you were only allowed to do one of those things for the rest of your life. Like, you could only listen to, let's say you like hip hop. You only allowed to listen to hip hop for the rest of your life. No more 
uh, a date to remember. No more John Mayer. No Halsey. No Gwen Stefani. No Alanis. Like all that's just gotta go. I don't know. I I'm 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 pro letting musicians do the variety thing um, because I can, I can barely keep a job longer for a year before I get bored. I can't imagine. <laughs> do it, making and or singing and performing the same songs for 12 years Ugh. but yeah um but yeah i don't know about the the pop hunk prince thing sorry uh machine gun kelly i gotta learn your fo- what's your real name machine gun kelly oh that's right it's fucking colson that's right i i mean hey machine gun kelly is a lot better than colson colson sounds like <laughs> Colson sounds like he invites people over to his parents' multi-million-dollar house when they go out of town, and then they raid their liquor cabinet, and then Colson ends up getting like aggro, that weird like aggro cry where he gets so angry that they just start crying, and like then they tell everybody to leave. That's that's Colson. Um, maybe that's hyper specific, but it's it makes me think of one person particularly that I know in my life. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm sure he's a great person. I, I saw him perform at a festival. I don't fucking know. It, it was, it was fine. He was very energetic. He put on a show, so that's cool. But yeah, I'm sure you're probably, I don't know. What do you think about Machine Gun Kelly? Let me know. But yeah, I don't really want to talk about Machine Gun Kelly, but you know who I would like to talk about? The one and only Miss Cheryl Crow. That's right. So initially for the uh, panel episode, I was going to pitch that my one of my favorite albums from a female musician is none other than Cheryl Crow's sophomore album, self-titled Cheryl Crow. Um, a lot of people would think that, oh, this is her second album. I mean, technically, yes, it is her second album. But um, her first album, Tuesday Night Music Club, um, was actually more of a like a collab between her and a group of people. So like they all came together to make that album. Whereas her sophomore album, self-titled, is just her. She uh, produced the music, uh, wrote all the songs with maybe one other collaborator. Um, and she did all the bass parts, guitar parts, and most of the keyboard in, the, in this entire album. So that was going to be my pick because... Listener, if you've even listened to any of the past episodes, you know that I am a Cheryl Crow fan. And so much so, in fact, that I incorporate a Cheryl Crow lyric in almost every episode. If you know what it is, awesome. You can let me know. But I don't think I've ever said it on the show. Uh, at least I've never divulged what it is on the show. Um, but yeah, uh, every every interview episode, I say it. Um, if you know, well... Maybe I say it in every episode. I think it's, who knows? But yeah, in every episode, there's a Sheryl Crow lyric. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I know people have thought that I was joking about the music that I like. I know a lot of people thought that my um, gayer for mayor stance was a joke. It is not a joke. Just like my love for Sheryl Crow is also not a joke, okay? I was raised in the 90s. You know who was on everywhere in the 90s? Sheryl Crow. Okay, couldn't escape her. That lady was everywhere. So I got a lot of uh, nostalgic, uh, emotional memories tied to this lady. 
Um, so yeah, so for the remainder of this episode, I'm going to tell you about Sheryl Crow's second album. So here we go. So as I stated earlier, um, Tuesday Night Music Club was technically Sheryl Crow's first album, right? That was released in 1993. Um, but that album was more of a uh, club of musicians that, I mean, granted, given the name, um, that got together and wrote that album, right? It wasn't solely a Sheryl Crow product, right? So in doing that, she felt like, well, after that album dropped, it was a uh, global success, uh, I believe. Certified seven times platinum in the U.S. and double platinum in the United Kingdom. And as of, this is not uh, updated recently, as of 2008, the Tuesday Night Music Club had sold four and a half million copies, which is a lot of copies, right? And after the success of Tuesday Night Music Club, she wanted to really prove herself as her own musician, right? I'm not, I'm not just a part of a a boys club, right? I am my own singer, songwriter, badass. What is it that they say, <clears throat> boss bitch? I think that's the hashtag, right? That's it. Um, but yeah, so she wanted to prove herself. Really wanted to uh, solidify those awards that she won from her debut Uh, i think she the uh, best new artist best female pop vocal performance and record of the year at the 37th annual grammy awards so grammy nominated right out the gate bro she was a teacher in missouri she she literally said fuck them kids i'm gonna go make music um, but I mean, that's not, she was already working in music. She was a music teacher is where she came from. So Cheryl is quoted, um, and after, after her first record, she wanted to, as I said, prove herself, right? Um, according to her, my only object, my only objective on this record was to get under people's skin because I feel like I had so much shit to hurl at the tape. <laughs> what a very age statement that is. Hurl at the tape. I mean, maybe it's... I don't know. Tape is still a thing they use, but I think it's uh, not as common because it's kind of a pain in the tookish. I I didn't know this prior to... When I just wanted to like look up some like bits about... Not bits, but like info about this uh, endeavor, right? I didn't know this part, though. So in 1994... Cheryl went on to The Late Show with David Letterman, right? Um, And she performed the song Leaving Las Vegas. Well, uh, David Letterman had asked her if uh, Leaving Las Vegas was an autobiographical song. And she offhandedly agreed, right? And... um, which was entirely true because those most of those songs were primarily written by the other members, um, uh, specifically uh, Bearwald. I'm probably saying that wrong, but it's um, based on the book of the same name by his friend John O'Brien. Um, as a result, uh, several of the members of the Tuesday Music Club group felt betrayed, and this is the part that's pretty intense. Um, 
O'Brien himself committed suicide three weeks later. Now, uh, that's, <laughs> I know, I know. It's not, but it's not Cheryl's fault, okay? Uh, this O'Brien guy's parents <laughs> are very adamant that Cheryl was not the cause, okay? It takes a lot of things to lead up to an action like that, right? It's not just everything is fine and then somebody hurts your feelings and then it's lights out, you know? You put clock, punch out your, punch your ticket, clock out. There we go. I almost tried to mix those two things together. But, yeah, <laughs> poor timing looks bad to, for Cheryl, but it's not... It's not uh, directly Cheryl's fault. I thought that was really, <laughs> that was a very interesting bit of information that I had, did not know about the lore of Cheryl Crow. Um, now, there's there's so much that I can say about this album, but <clears throat> for the sake of time and the fact that I am a bit sick right now, as I'm sure you can probably hear, and I hate trying to talk and converse uh through with one uh, working nostril um mainly because i'm just so anti-mouth breather like i hate it because it just man it fucking drives my mouth out dog like i mm, i can't stand it so and also i know sick people sound weird and nobody really wants to listen to it. so i'm gonna try and make this relatively quick i i mean there's only i only get one cold a year and it just happened to be now, so we're just going to have to deal with it. But um, in regards to this album, I don't know what more you could want from it. You know, like we it, she, it's we've got alien references. We've got uh, 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 occult references. We've got French toast. <laughs> That's not a joke. There is there is French toast in this album. Um, and also, um unbeknownst to me did you hear you can hear how plugged up i am when i tried to say unbeknownst yeah it's fun uh unbeknownst to me there is uh what song is it it was uh, uh the song love is a good thing uh that song alone <laughs> uh how do i say this that song is the reason why this album wasn't sold in walmart stores when it came out because uh, she kind of throws a dagger at Walmart saying, hey, uh, the fact that you sell guns in a store that anybody can just walk into and get is the reason why there's, you know, some gun violence. So Walmart was like, oh, OK, we're not going to sell your album there. But guess what? Cheryl didn't need the help from Walmart. She sold 4.5 million copies anyway. And that's just the number from 2008. It's been I'm not good at math. A 300 years since then. Right. <laughs> so. But yeah, um, so <clears throat> right out of the gate, Maybe Angels, right? We start off the album with Maybe Angels, which um, I didn't really know a whole lot about until, you know, like I knew all the hit singles from the yeah, from the record, you know, Change Would Do You Good, uh, If It Makes You Happy, Every Day Is A Winding Road, uh, you know, Ordinary Morning, stuff like that. But like Maybe Angels, I didn't really know about, um, and I was super super stoked to find out that it like it's legit a ode to ufos and like uh government conspiracies oh bro i love it uh, it's not necessarily an ode to but it's definitely the theme definitely revolves around it and uh i think that's nothing nothing makes uh conspiracy chris happier than finding out the the quote-unquote country singer of cheryl crow is like or at least was in 1996, uh, 
pro-alien. That's super fucking cool. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, the, the song also opens up like when I, when I first put the record on, I was like, dude, that, that initial, was it like 20 seconds? It's like very, very nine inch nails, like heavy, gritty, almost like, uh, an industrial sound. And I was like, Cheryl Crow is this, what the fuck is going on? But bro, it's maybe angels is it's, uh, it's man. I don't even know. I, I think it's a very solid, uh, opener for the album, right? I think it really sets a tone in this, a surprising tone because like, as I just mentioned, those, that industrial like opening really throw through me personally for a loop because I know having listened to the album many times now, it's like, it's a, it was a strong choice to open up with maybe angels. Um, but you know, I, she obviously made the right call. One of the things I also find really, uh, unique about, um, I would say Cheryl in general, but I definitely think it's more so this album. Um, like I think the, the combination of like, I don't know this for sure because (laughs) as you probably have guessed by now, I am not a musician in the sense I can't play any instruments. So I don't know, really know what I'm talking about when it comes to guitars and instruments like that. But I think the combination of distortion on her guitar and like just the tone of her voice and the, the layered vocals that she does in this entire album is entire album, but specifically in maybe angels. It's such a dynamic combination I really love because it the the guitar is almost like I saw this described in a couple things I was reading about this album and I was like that's not fucking true but the more I listen to it and the more I'm like oh fuck they're kind of right but that guitar bro it's kind of grungy it's kind of fucking grungy that's right Cheryl Crow was kind of grungy I mean, <laughs> Cheryl, please don't get mad. I didn't mean it that way. I meant, <laughs> I meant the genre. Um, but it's, it's so, it's so interesting to me that like you would, I don't think anybody suspects, oh, Cheryl Crow grunge guitars or just like grungy overtones in her music. Like that's wild, but also, I mean, it was 1996. So, um, and specifically in, I think it is. Uh, this song, she talks about Kurt Cobain. So maybe, maybe it was purposeful. Maybe, maybe I just answered my own fucking question. I didn't even ask a question, but maybe I figured it out. There we go. One half of the world's greatest detectives. What's up? Psychic detectives. But yeah, uh, maybe angels, a wonderful track to open it up with. Now, the next track, I'm not going to go track to track to track because I don't have that kind of time. And I also don't I'm getting sniffly, right? No, Kitty, back up. So, um, the next song is the song that um, I believe I utilize part of this song in the in my outro spiel's. Right? I'm not gonna tell you what it is. If you know how I close out the shows and you listen to this song, you'll hear it. Okay? But uh, I've always really loved this song just because I'm a huge fan of like the the vocal uh it's not necessarily technique but the vocal uh sampling of like the the lyrics are cut in half let me try and put it that way so cheryl says 
a change would do you good, right? So it's split, and then there's the backing, almost like harmonizing vocals that kind of repeat it. So it's like, a change, a change would do you, would do you good. I love when they alternate like that. Ugh. And also, I mean, it's no no secret now. I just love Cheryl's voice. Uh, I think it's wonderful. Also, the like I said, or the layering that she does, like the, the harmonizing, Ugh. can't get any better. But I, I really enjoy... A change would do you good because of like just the entirety of the message, right? The entirety of this song is um, removing yourself and freeing yourself from like a constrictive situation, whether it be a a job, a situation, a conversation, like whatever it is. Like a change would do you good, right? If you're unhappy, <laughs> if you're unhappy, go find something else that does it. You know, and later on in this album, you'll find out that uh uh. If it makes you happy, why are you so sad, right? That's called foreshadow. Was that thunder? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, A Change Would Do You Good. If you were to know any one of the songs from this album, having not really been a Sheryl Crow fan, this would probably probably be one of the songs that you have heard of. Or, um, yeah. <laughs> or, you've yeah, you've heard of. Now, this having known this song since fucking 1996, I had always been curious. I should say always, because as I mentioned in the panel episode, sometimes I just memorized the melodies and I didn't actually listen to the words. But as of the last probably like eight or nine years, I've really been revisiting some of those uh, old songs. And I was always curious about the lyrics in the song. Like, who the fuck is she talking about? And so... Oh, I got a hair in my mouth. Um, I did some, you know, just some Googling, really. That's really what it was. And I found out that uh, uh, it the first verse, which is, um, you know, the, uh, uh, how's it go? Bottom-feeding, insincere, prophet, lo-fi, pioneer, right? Um, so this, it's, it sounds harsh, but uh, apparently it's written uh, in, like, direction the direction of a uh, music producer that they were working with Cheryl was working with um named Bill Batrell I think I'm pro- again sorry guys <laughs> don't know how to pronounce your names because I didn't put them into YouTube and how to pronounce but um yeah she was a little butthurt at him uh because he apparently left in the middle of the album's production so I could see why that would be a little bit angry and then in the second verse which I always thought was um there was a not always thought recently probably the last five years I always thought like well maybe these lyrics are a little uh like insensitive right but I mean I wh- who am I to say but like the uh God's little gift is on the rag poster girl posted in a fashion mag right uh apparently that is written uh well not written to but inspired by Madonna who at the time was like moving away from her like uh, you know remember Madonna in the 80s probably not because you might not have been alive but in the 80s uh, Madonna was a sex symbol right she you know the little the the pointy tatas and st- the, the cone boobs and shit like that yeah so she was like a sex icon but then I think in the uh, mid to late 90s she was kind of pulling away from that and so uh that's that's what that second verse is. It's more inspired about uh, Madonna, um, which I thought was super interesting. Um, 
And then the uh, the third and final verse is more of a introspective. It's more about uh, Cheryl. So uh, that's interesting stuff, right? I it's it's always cool to find out like the background to songs, but then also there's as I've brought up in the show before, it's always do you want to know what the song is about, or is it easier to not know? So it's e- like it can be easier. E- oh my goodness easier oh my goodness ease more easily molded there we go we got it we worked through it we got it more easily molded to fit your own personal life and strife right but yeah i was uh listening to the album uh today in fact and i was listening to redemption day and there's a there's a line in there that goes uh well it's more of just a lyric where she just said you know heaven's gate and i got and when i hear that phrase obviously I'm immediately going to go to the cult heaven's gate. Right. And I was super excited. I'm like, Oh hell yeah, dude. Cheryl Crow's right about heaven's gate. How very topical of her in 1996. But, um, it's, it's not, well, I shouldn't say it's not that cool because (laughs) heaven's gate was not cool. And neither was the actual thing that she was writing about, which was, uh, the Bosnian war, which I don't, I didn't, I don't, I listen, I, I don't know what that is. I didn't know what it was, what it was. So I had to, I had to, I had to look it up and, uh, apparently it was a whole thing, right? I mean, obviously she's not making shit up. Uh, but yeah, it's a, a co- an armed conflict that took place in Bosnia and, oh God, Herzegovina between 1992 and 1995. So Redemption Day is Cheryl Crow's like protest song to, uh, the war. I mean, granted it came out uh, after it was over, it looks like, but you know, when she was writing it, at least it was relevant. (laughs) Yeah. She, uh, apparently was writing and like was inspired, uh, by it when, uh, I guess she visited, uh, is fucking Bosnia country? I just have to assume it is. I don't know. Listen, I went to, I got a Wani education. Okay. It's not good. Um, but yeah, she was on like a, one of those marine tour things where like the, where you go and play for the troops. What what do they call it? Hold on. Let me Google this. USO. There we go. That's, that's the term. Sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't fucking, I don't know things. Um, but yeah, and surprise and, uh, fun fact, she did that trip with Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. I'm glad, uh, Hillary didn't tell Cheryl any secrets because, Think of, imagine the world we'd be in without Cheryl Crow, because, you know, Hillary Clinton <laughs> kills people, I guess. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, Bosnian War, there's like a whole, I'm not, I, I'm not, this isn't a history podcast, so I'm not going to tell you all about the Bosnian War, um, but you can Google it for yourself. Um, it looks pretty, looks pretty intense. There's like buildings on fire and men with guns, you know, war stuff. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, I, but also one of my favorite things about this, the, the draw to this song for me personally is that fucking acute, that just that guitar, I love that. It's so, it, I mean, it definitely makes me think of like a, like a Western, you know, like it's a. I'm envisioning Cheryl Crow on a horse with a big old brimmed hat and one of those, um, 
what do they call those things? Is it a poncho? Is it called a poncho? It's like the blanket that you sit your neck through and it's like, you know what I'm talking about. You, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's, but yeah, that's, I'm seeing her doing that, riding it on a horse. Maybe she's playing the guitar or maybe it's just strapped to her back. But bro, it's just like ominous, but also like very heroic. I don't know, but that's, that's the vibe I get. But I mean, it's not about cowboys. <laughs> it's uh, about war. So, uh, Bosnian war to be exact. Now, remember earlier when I said that, uh, uh, one of Cheryl's songs was controversial towards, uh, Walmart. And so they wouldn't sell her, uh, sell her album there. Well, she fucking doubled down on some controversy in, uh, her, the her song hard to make a stand. So, uh, in the though fight, man, God, I gotta, I gotta, I should probably just writ some writ. Oh my goodness, Whew. I should have written some things down. There we go. See, this is you see why I didn't want to do this when I was sick, but I can't fucking think. But yeah, so the controversy in this song is she made an abortion reference. Ooh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Remember, this is 1996. But yeah. Uh, my friend Olodi went to take care of her own body. Uh, she got shot down in the road. She looked up before she went and said, this isn't really what I meant. And the Daily News said two with just one stone, right? Um, I will I would, ne- I would. never understand, uh, not understand. I will never know what it's like to be in a position of like this and to talk about something as controversial as that in a time such as then that was a really vague way of saying that I'm not a woman in 1996 talking about uh bodily autonomy um but I will be a man in uh oh my goodness I almost forgot the year I will be a man in 2022 and support bodily autonomy so there's that shout out Cheryl Crow for you know being a OG supporter of bodily autonomy. Now, if we wanted to uh, continue jumping around to songs that I really like, another one of my f- top five Cheryl Crow songs is If It Makes You Happy. Remember how earlier I was talking about how uh, Cheryl Crow was a Grammy nominated? Um, I think I said the 37th annual. I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure that means the uh, 1997 Grammy Awards. And if it makes you happy is the reason she won a Grammy uh, for best female rock vocal performance. Uh, interestingly, oh man, it's getting hard to see these multiple syllable words. My nose is getting more and more stuffy. Oh, okay. So the song apparently uh, had gone through many changes uh, throughout its uh, life uh, creation. Yeah, we'll say we'll say creation. So it started out uh, according to Jeff. Trot, Trot, fuck. Sorry, Jeff, uh, who helped co-write the song. Uh, s- quote is quoted as saying, "It started off as a twangy David Lynch-esque sort of thing. Then we played it like punk rock, really fast, as well as country and funky. You know, you get a song and put clothes on it to see what looks good and what doesn't. And usually, when you find the right one, it's pretty obvious. With that song, it was real obvious. Um, and." As much as I love this version, I would fucking love, <clears throat> excuse me, to hear the punk rock version and the funky version. Like, bro, Cheryl, come on, release some B-sides, dog. Let me see. Let me hear those alternate versions. If this version's good, well, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes the version you hear is the version you hear because, 
all the other versions weren't that great. So, but I still want to know. Let me know. But yeah, uh, the the song itself actually spent it looks like twenty seven whole weeks in the Hot One Hundred. Was that Billboard? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Billboard Hot One Hundred. Um, that's a long fucking time, dude. That's a long time. Twenty seven weeks. Sheesh. Oh no. <laughs> so a song that I wasn't super familiar with until I started like really hunkering down on the album was uh Love is a Good Thing, right? And that's the uh that's the Walmart song, right? It's not a song about Walmart, but it's a song that upset Walmart, so I'm gonna refer to it as that. But I love this song so much. Like it is so funky and like I'll be honest with you, the, like the intro, the you'll you'll know what I you'll know what I I mean when I what I'm about to say when you listen to the song. But like it kind of remind me of like a uh, kind of sexy dog. Like uh, it made me think of like an old cheesy '70s style porn, right? You'll know what I mean when you hear that the thing. But like, oh, this song, Cheryl's vocal delivery in this entire song is just. It's, you can't see what I'm doing, but it's chef's kiss, bro. Oh, it's so, it's so delicious. And then the, uh, I love the timing of the, the, the chorus. Uh, love is a good, love is a good, love is a good thing. Bro, it's, it's so funky. It's, it's, I can't, I'm too jaded and cynical to really be supportive of the title, right? But I really love the song. And if you're really in, it's got a real like 70s, style groove to it man and it's uh i would have loved you ever hear a song and just like wish that you could have been a fly on the wall as they were like coming up with it bro i would have loved to see this i would have loved to have seen this song get pieced together because i bet it was fucking magical now to reference another uh well not reference we're so we're talking about the same fucking album chris come on uh <laughs> To jump to another song, uh, probably, again, if you're unfamiliar with Sheryl Crow, a song that you probably are somewhat aware of is her song, Every Day is a Winding Road, right? Um, this song in particular is the uh, track that earned her a nomination for Record of the Year at the 1998 Grammy Awards. But, unfortunately, uh, Sean Colvin... Uh, won the won that award uh with uh sunny came home which is a great fucking song you should absolutely absolutely go listen to that song it's great do you do you know that song sunny came home sunny came home to a favorite room sunny came home and a day's go you know that song you probably do wait go listen to it and you'll be like oh yeah i heard this on the radio when i was fucking eight yeah you know the song it's also got really like a, a creepy artwork, but it's like not scary creepy, but it's like unsettling. So like it's not right, but you can't look away, right? Go look at it, okay? Go listen to that entire album and tell me nothing. Now back to every day is a winding road. If you were if you were on the fence as to like, oh Chris, should I listen to this song? I don't know. I'm not really a big Cheryl Crow fan. Well, let me let me just give you a little tiny bit of a little a little tidbit right so you know how sometimes other artists will cover songs that they they really like yeah so 
this song in particular was covered by a certain person uh no longer with us um on their 1999 album rave unto the joy fantastic does that does that name ring a bell if it doesn't that's okay i won't i won't give you any flack for it but the person who covered this song was none other than the artist formerly known as prince bro he wasn't called that then but prince prince covered Every day, every day is a winding road. So, and in fact, uh, what was it? The in 1999, he made an appearance at the Toronto stop uh, of the festival to perform the song alongside Cheryl Crow. Bro, can you imagine? This is her second album, and fucking Prince, dude, was like, "Yo, the song. That's my impression of Prince. Yo, the song is fantastic. I don't know if that's right. It's probably not. He, I, he definitely doesn't." talk with a plugged nose Ugh, i'm so annoyed right now with my nose <sighs> uh, if you if that wasn't enough to satisfy you're like oh, okay i guess it is a pretty good song that movie the song was also in the movie aaron brockovich do you know that movie that's not no that's not sandy bullocks that's the other lady julia roberts that's her name i often get julia roberts and sandy bullocks mixed up and he's just you know all these fucking white people look the same <laughs> Is that is that bad? Is that bad for me? Can I say that? I feel like I I don't know. Disregard that if it's unpopular. Um, speaking of artists covering Cheryl Crow songs, there's another song that got covered. Another Cheryl Crow song that got covered by another artist. Man, I am really struggling today, today folks. Um, uh, the it's the um oh boy, Redemption Day. Remember that the Bosnian War, the thing I told you to look up. That as I'm not gonna do it for you. Uh, do you know? Would you like to take a, a guess at who covered that song? I'll wait. Nope, it's not them. Nope, not them either. It's fucking Johnny Cash, bro. Came out as a what was it? His a uh, posthumous uh, album, uh, 2010. The American F- Six ain't no grave. Is that six? F- v and then I. That's that's six, right? It'd be four if the I was first. Fuck, I'm stupid. This, I'm blaming all of this on the cold. <laughs> I'm going to blame everything that I've done wrong today on this cold because it's messing up the way I talk. It's making me think too much on how I sound. And it's not... I'm, I am disheveled, listener. Disheveled. So to save myself further embarrassment and further... I'm, I'm going to regret saying all this stuff later, but... That is my very quick and sickly uh, uh, review of Cheryl Crow's 1996 album. I would go as far as to say it is her best. I'm going to say it. I mean, it's, I don't know. I I have a weird stance that I think humans make their best music when they are younger. Right, I don't know exactly how old Cheryl Crow was when she wrote this album. Uh, there's a one of the songs in this in this album. I didn't write it down, but she talks about how she is now 32. Right, I don't know if that's true or if it's just it fit in the lyr in the the lyrics. Right, it just the timing, the yeah. Oh my goodness, it fit within the count of the song structure. Right, so maybe it's not true, but I don't know. I, uh, I, I tend to think that younger, more youthful people make better music. Just, I feel like you're more vibrant. Life has a real way of 
chiseling you down and wearing you out, right? So that's that's my stance on it. But uh, that's not to say she didn't go on to make more great music because she did, in fact, do just that. Uh, my favorite Cheryl Crow song that she ever made actually came several albums later. Let me see what it one. Two, two albums later in 2005 Wildflower my favorite Cheryl Crow song listener I know you're dying to know but the uh, song is Good is Good I love that song so much Good is good and bad is bad isn't it makes a lot of sense right go listen to that song and tell me it's not wonderful um, but yeah Cheryl Crow uh, one of my top artists uh, ever but also this uh, this was going to be my album that I picked for the pa- the other panel that was going to happen, but didn't pan out, didn't work out. So this is me uh, fumbling it together with a with a stuffy head, right? So, uh, listener, if you have any, uh, let me know what your favorite '90s albums are. I don't care if you, you know, comment on the posts or just message me personally. I know I say uh, if you'd like to reach me, you can leave me alone. Um, uh, then you know but that's kind of a joke but also kind of not it's more of a (laughs) there's this aspect uh, whatever happens when you reach out happens don't take it anything personally Uh, but yeah Cheryl Crow everybody Uh, that has been this episode right I'm 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 struggling over here, so I gotta I gotta go take some more medicine. Uh, it's only and it's only gonna make my head even cloudier than it already is. So you're just gonna have to deal with what you got today. <laughs> um, with that, you know where you can find and follow us. Uh, we're on Facebook, on Instagram, Two Junkies Podcast, on Twitter, which I still don't really do anything with, but we're there if you're if you need something to follow. Uh, if you would like to reach me, you can leave me alone. Do you get it now? That's, there it is. Uh, but yeah, if you must find and follow me and be involved with my life, you can find me on Instagram at Chris and Kitty and on TikTok at DatBoyPit6. Chris, what have you been listening to lately? Man, I'm so glad you asked. Um, surprisingly, it's been a lot of Cheryl Crow, but also today I was listening to some Tool. Um, what else do we got here? Um, I've been listening to, uh, oh, I listened to Machine Gun Kelly's new album. Man, I can feel my nose. It's like swelling up. Uh, yeah, I listened to the new album. It was, it's not as pop punk as the last one. I'll tell you that, but it's whatever. You, you can like it if you want. I don't really care. Um, I've been listening to The Forecast, um, a lot of Billy Joel, uh, Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt, um, and, uh, Chris Cornell's 2015 album Higher Truth um, uh, so yeah that's what I've been listening to um, this has been a Toon Junkies podcast my name is Chris and Taylor this is for you <laughs>